Welcome back, Creatures of the Night, to episode 23 of the Collecting Dead Man podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Zeman, and I want to welcome you back to another week of talking Undertaker merchandise, memories, and more. Now, as I do every week, I promote uh, not only subscribing to this podcast and leaving us a five-star review where you can, because that will greatly help the podcast It will greatly help grow the community of Creatures of the Night, not only in the country, but around the world as well. Uh, Getting the podcast out there, letting people know about um, who we are and everything else like that. I uh, promote, you know, follow me on Twitter at CollectUpDead and on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan, but also subscribing to my YouTube channel. That's where you can find all my figure hunts, my uh, mail unboxings, and also uh, my watch-along episodes. And this week, I was able to upload two new watch-along episodes. One with my friend uh, Keegan Dimitrovic from Twitter. That's Keegan RW. if you want to give him a follow. We uh, took a look at uh, what his followers chose for us to watch. And that is SummerSlam 1997, where Undertaker defends the WWF Championship against Bret Hart. And that was a fun match to, you know, revisit, talk about, you know, what put into motion all the things before the match and after the match as well. And, you know, the the storyline that it creates with Kane and the Michaels feud and the Montreal Screwjob, and everything else that comes from that. We also took a look at our favorite um, Jax and Mattel figures of The Undertaker, so give that one a watch or a listen. And uh, just uh, the other day, I uploaded uh, SummerSlam 1999. Uh, I did a watch along with Randy Turco. You can find him at Pokey's Little Dog on Twitter. And we took a look at that match because we are going through, every month, we are going through The Undertaker's Tag Team Title Victories. Uh, Last month, uh, we took a look at Fully Loaded 1998, uh, where Undertaker and Steve Austin defeated Kane and Mankind to win The Undertaker's first Tag Team Championship. And we continue that this month with SummerSlam, um, with him and the Big Show, The Unholy Alliance, uh, taking on Kane and X-Pac. And it's funny is next month we are going to be taking a look at the Buried Alive match that occurred on SmackDown uh, where the Unholy Alliance looks to win the championships back from the Rock and Sock connection. And the funny thing we noticed while doing these is that we did the first one in July while talking about a July pay-per-view. We did the second one in August, while talking about an August pay-per-view, and we'll be doing the third one in September, and that takes place uh, 22 years from uh, the Buried Alive match in September 1999. So we just thought it's funny, like the first three matches that we will be taking a look at occurred in July, August, and September. And, but unfortunately, the trend ends there because the next one we'll be doing afterwards where him and The Rock become tag team championship uh, title holders occurs actually in December 2000. 
So that is something we'll be taking a look at in October. So just two months shy of just keeping that trend going. But um, those are the two watch-along videos I have uploaded this week. So if you are not only interested in listening to them on your podcast platform, you can watch us talk about the match and also watch us watch the match on YouTube. And I just think it creates a nice pairing. Like if you just not uh, only want to listen to us, you can always watch us. And uh, I think that's something that... uh, I enjoy doing with the watch-alongs. You can, you know, record ourselves watching it and talking, and we get off the rails. We talk about all kinds of other stuff in the meantime, while still giving you the the main big points that are happening in the match. And that will continue, as I said. Uh, have plenty other watch-alongs in the works, and um, hopefully, I uh, can get out there and record some new toy hunts for my subscribers because it's something I haven't done in like a couple months you know been busy with work life and just not a lot of things happening in the stores I've been finding here around uh, the Jacksonville area I don't know if I'm just missing stuff I don't know if I'm just off schedule but like I said uh, last week and I think maybe the week prior I have yet to find the Boneyard Undertaker Elite 85 in stores. I have been able to find everybody else from the series at least once except him. And I just found out recently that he has only packed one per case, which makes him a little bit harder and rarer to find. Uh, but the funny thing is that I found Kama a couple weeks ago, and he's the collector's edition, which is supposed to be even rarer to find. Uh, but The Undertaker so far has eluded me in the wild. And as I've said, you know, I enjoy ordering from ringside, getting the stuff fast, and uh, one of the first people to get the items. Uh, but the thrill of the hunt and that rush that you get finding something in the stores, and it's just like there's nothing, there's nothing that can uh, uh, top that to a figure collector. So hopefully one day I'll be able to become lucky at Walmart or Target uh, and try and find that uh, in the stores. And that'd be definitely something I'd be uh, wanting to capture for a, uh, a toy hunt. But that is it for the podcast news of the week. You know, it's just your typical uh, promoting uh, the YouTube and the podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And uh, just continue to spread the word to all the other creatures of the night out there. And we are talking Undertaker uh, merchandise, memories, and more each and every week here. And I hope everybody listening and subscribing is enjoying what I am putting out there each and every week. And uh, enough podcast news for the week. Let's get into Tales from the Grave. Of course, in Tales from the Grave, that's where I talk each and every week about having my favorite Undertaker or wrestling memory, uh, a favorite figure history uh, that pertains to that memory, uh, and maybe throw in some figure hunting memories and some news in there as well. So it's a little bit of everything that you get in Tales from the Grave. And this week, uh, in keeping with SummerSlam, because SummerSlam is happening uh, Saturday, 
if you are listening to this when it drops on Friday, that is tomorrow. Um, and I can't believe, you know, it's so weird to have a pay-per-view happening on a Saturday. We've only seen this, you know, in the last couple years with the WrestleMania happening on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, but a, a Saturday pay-per-view, it, for WWE, it has not happened, I think, in uh, quite a long time. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, SummerSlam take place on a Saturday. And um, in keeping with SummerSlam, I wanted to talk about my memories of watching SummerSlam 2000. Uh, because even though uh, we ordered SummerSlam 1999 on pay-per-view, uh, something about SummerSlam 2000 is that I can vividly remember uh, watching that one live over uh, watching 1999 live. And I don't know uh, what it is about either pay-per-view. And the weird thing is, is I like re-watching 1999 more than 2000. But I think just something, uh, maybe my memory's not as good in 1999 for the SummerSlam pay-per-view. But I remember, I remember definitely uh, having my parents order SummerSlam 99. But I vividly remember watching SummerSlam 2000 live. And I remember the, getting the DVD and the VHS. And you were able to choose. I always remember the DVD menu for some reason. Uh, you were able to choose, like it says, um, match finder or mat, uh, choose a match or something like that. And uh, they had the extras and everything like that. And uh, you can have the. You can listen to the Undertaker's music unedited. Uh, you know, nowadays with the network and with Peacock, um, I don't think they have the rights to the Kid Rock American Badass song anymore because it's dubbed over by You're Gonna Pay, which is totally the wrong era for The Undertaker. That's more Big Evil, not American Badass. Uh, which is, I always seen re-watching these old Raws and pay-per-views, I always thought it was weird that they would dub American Badass over with You're Gonna Pay because they have the rights to Roland from Limp Biscuit. You would think they would just dub over the Kid Rock song with the Roland song because that, you know, that at least is in the same time uh, frame. Uh, he gets Roland like in December of 2000. So you have like about f- uh, six months of the Kid Rock song. You know, they can easily uh, dub the Kid Rock song over with Roland. But apparently they don't. They do it here, you're going to pay. But uh, in the DVD, and I remember the DVD, I just got rid of it maybe five years ago. Maybe when the network started coming out. Um, I got rid of that, and I still remember watching it within the last uh, ten years. And they had, like, the American Badass song in the DVD. And that was just so, it's just so fun to think about, you know, uh, something about SummerSlam 2000 just sticks out. Um, Again, it's weird because I like Undertaker's match in 1999 better when he wins the Tag Team Championships. And um, it's just his grudge match brawl with Kane is fun. It's fun to watch even though there's no official winner and it's a cheap finish, you know, it's a no 
no contest, which I hate. I absolutely hate no contest finishes. Um, but it was described as something that's unsanctioned. It was a brawl. I don't, I don't know why they didn't just award the Undertaker the victory, because Kane like walked out of the match. They should have just awarded the Undertaker the victory. But it goes under a no contest thing, just cheap and it's bad. But I like the brawl. I know a lot of people don't like the Undertaker Kane feud in 2000 because they felt like it's been played to death already by this time. But, you know, I always like Undertaker and Kane together, whether it's a tag team or against each other, uh, except in 2010 because uh, Undertaker didn't get any victories in that feud, which is criminal, if you ask me. Um, but I always like them together. They always, I, I always like the idea of two monsters uh, who can work and who can fight going at each other. Um, but yeah, something about SummerSlam 2000, just a fun thing to rewatch. Fun thing in my memory watching it live and um, just want to talk about like how it's weird how your memories just uh, choose to focus on one thing other than the other because even though I can remember things from 1999 vividly like I talk about almost every week here like uh, the carnival the fairs the raws and the other pay-per-views it's just I vividly remember SummerSlam 2000 more than SummerSlam 1999 for some reason and uh, that's just funny and just something felt like discussing here because it's SummerSlam weekend uh, it's been SummerSlam season here on the podcast and so uh, wrap up the SummerSlam season here on the pod with a SummerSlam memory and of course this figure history I chose two different figures one from Jax one from Mattel for this era of The Undertaker. And for Jax, I went for his first American Badass figure, the one I still remember getting as a child, um, the Jax House of Pain. And that was so revolutionary to see The Undertaker a removable bandana. He had his uh, blue denim shirt, his trench coat, open gloved hands, so he could do the choke slam, real scan head. Uh, I think it's his second real scan figure uh, coming off the classic Titantron Live Series 5 uh, Unforgiven Ministry Undertaker. Uh, you get that awesome uh, Jack's uh, House of Pain set. That whole set is just amazing, top to bottom, with Rock, Austin, Triple H, X Pac, Tori, Undertaker. It's filled with fun accessories. And um, I still remember getting that as a kid, and I still love that figure to this day. And of course, the Mattel Elite 68 SummerSlam Wave, um, based off this match, SummerSlam 2000, you get the cane mask, and you get the Undertaker with his blue denim top, and you get the, the baseball cap and the glasses he wore to the ring. So yeah. Two figures that still hold um, special memories to me, as I'll be talking about in the figure hunting memory, why the Mattel one means so much to me. It means so much to me because that was one of the last figure hunts I had with my dad, finding that figure at Walmart. Uh, we found the, a sealed case of Elite 68 at Walmart, still sitting on the uh, cart that they used to uh, transport um, the stuff on the back. Not even opened. 
So we took the, the case into the figure aisle, made sure like no workers were around to stop us, and we opened the box. And I remember the first figure on top was, I think it was Roman Reigns or Daniel Bryan, and like two or three figures down was The Undertaker. And the box was perfectly mint, nothing wrong with it. You know, I'm, I'm a stickler for tape as well. I don't like having the bubble tape or any peeling tape. It was perfect all around. And uh, right below The Undertaker was the Pat Patterson Collector's Edition figure. So uh, it was a successful toy hunt. I, we grabbed The Undertaker and Pat Patterson. And that is one of the Undertaker figures that I will never replace in my collection. I still have, I never upgraded that figure's box because it's perfectly mint. It has a special memory to me being at one of the last, uh, not exactly the last, but uh, one of these last figure hunting memories that I had with my dad. I uh, you know we went to, we found the Ghostbusters Taker about a month later on that uh, end cap shipper. Uh, we found a couple things in around uh, end of October and November. But uh, that's one of the last ones I remember. And that's why this figure always holds a special place in my heart. That's why I will never upgrade the figure. No matter if anything ever happens to the figure's box or anything, I will always keep it in my collection just because of the memory it holds. And um, yeah, that's that wraps up the Undertaker memories and figure hunting memories of the week. And, uh, and figure and Undertaker news. Um, if you have not heard yet, uh, by this time last week it had not happened yet, but after the podcast dropped, the... Uh, uh, new generation ultimate scale ring was funded uh, it's been a hundred percent funded on Mattel creations uh, not only did they reach the 5,000 backers they needed to put the ring into motion but it also crossed 7,000 backers so we get Doink the Clown and then it crossed 8,000 backers so that we get the swappable ring skirts so everyone who ordered from the 13th Prior gets the Macho Madness commentary set, the Ultimate Edition Macho Man and the uh, commentary playset, Ultimate Diesel, Ultimate Doink, the Entrance Stage, the Ultimate Scale Ring, and Swappable Ring Skirts. And as it stands now, it has 8,200 backers, so 8,200, and uh, fully funded. And uh, in the beginning, I didn't think it was going to at the rate and the pace it was moving. You know, we were stuck at like a thousand something backers. Then we were stuck at 3,000 backers for the longest time. And it just was stagnant. And then that last day, Friday the 13th, the last day that people can get Macho Man, it just jumped. It went to four, five, six, seven, eight, blink of an eye. And, you know, the wrestling community came together and they funded this thing. And that makes me excited for what's next. You know, the possibilities are endless. Uh, action figure attack Steve Ozer from Mattel has been on multiple podcasts this past week. And just talking about the possibilities that they can create now. You know, um, they can have 
not not just rings, but they can have these big play sets like the SmackDown Fist, the Attitude Era Titantron. Uh, the thing that I suggested, the Funeral Parlor, I think that'd be a perfect thing to be crowdfunded. I would love the idea of the the uh, Ultimate Warrior casket or the Hulk Hogan casket, the uh, Standing Up casket that the Undertaker appears out of, uh, Paul Bearer, an Ultimate Edition Undertaker, and with each tier you can add figures that have appeared on the funeral parlor. Like you can add that Hogan, that Warrior, a Macho Man, a Piper, a Ric Flair, stuff like that. It's just, uh, possibilities are endless and I can't wait to see what's next for Mattel Creations. Um, also, in Undertaker news, uh, a couple days ago the Texas Longhorns presented the Undertaker with a customized uh, helmet as a gift to him when he was there uh, for the training. And the inside of the helmet it has the Undertaker's logo on the inside for him. And it's just cool to see Undertaker out and about, uh, keeping, um, you know, just enjoying life, keeping his name out there. You know, the news outlets, all the wrestling outlets, they always report on anything The Undertaker does. So it's just cool to see him, you know, just enjoying life and going to these events. And you can tell that when he receives these kind of special gifts, you know, he's like lost for words, he's not expecting it. Uh, you know, it takes him aback, and you can see, you know, how humble he is, how much that he enjoys uh, connecting with people and connecting with fans, and you can see how much that his uh, legacy has an impact, not only on wrestling, but also on other sports as well. You know, you see athletes all the time either using his entrance music, mannerisms, talking about him, so it's cool to see that. And uh, finally, on uh, the most recent uh, episode of the Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin, the tradition uh, stays alive with every guest mentioning The Undertaker at least once. Uh, we talked about uh, when Kevin Nash mentioned him a few weeks back, but this time it's Bobby Lashley's turn. Bobby Lashley talked about uh, the advice Undertaker gave him uh, during his first run in the WWE and that is to make himself seem bigger to the audience he says that Taker told him to stand up look at the ring and have that ring presence because when you make yourself look small and go down in that position you're, you're making yourself look too small to the audience you have to stand up because you're impressive you're big and everybody's looking at you. And Bobby Lashley said that that piece of advice helped him through the rest of his career, through his uh, UFC, uh, UFC career, his uh, wrestling career, both in, inside and outside WWE. So it just goes to show you know, how much of an impact Undertaker's you know, simple advice goes a long way. And, you know, other wrestlers have said that, you know, Drew McIntyre has talked about Undertaker's advice. Stone Cold, Rock, Triple H, Bobby Lashley, uh, almost every wrestler who has taken Undertaker's advice, they say how much, you know, it has impacted their career, made them a better wrestler, 
and everything like that. Um, Edge and Randy Orton have also said uh, things like that that help shape, you know, their character and things like that. So it's just, you know, the, every time on the, uh, Steve Austin has a new guest on the Broken Skull Sessions, you can almost guarantee Undertaker's name will be mentioned. And the uh, record uh, stays strong here with Bobby Lashley. And that is it for Tales from the Grave for this week. You know, f- uh, full uh, segment there. Plenty of news, uh, both Undertaker and wrestling figure news. And plenty of memories and figure hunting memories to go around. And now we go to Digging Up Dead Man, where I talk about my weekly purchases. Welcome to Weekly Purchases. Now, of course, in Weekly Purchases, that's where I talk about everything that has come through the mail by way of the uh, USPS, UPS, FedEx, eBay, Mercari, or what I have found in the stores. And the first thing I want to talk about is something I actually found in the stores that I didn't even know existed. Went to Target, I checked out the um, the little card uh, display where they have the uh, little mystery figures and mystery boxes and the trading cards and everything like that. Well, I looked down and they have a box of something called WWE Chibi In Motion Key Rings. And I was like, hmm, I never heard of this before. I never knew this stuff existed. So I, I pick up one of the boxes and I see the people in the set. And of course, on the side is The Undertaker. So I'm thinking, oh great. Another thing I have to buy so many of to get The Undertaker. So there was 12 in the box. I picked out six, took a chance, and I got lucky. I pulled a... Undertaker keyring. The thing is, it has movable arms, movable legs, and it looks like almost like an animated version of the Undertaker, and it's super cool. So it it clips right onto your keychain. So and they have various wrestlers. They have Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, Stone Cold Rock, Cena, Bray Wyatt, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, and of course the Undertaker. So I was like, great, I'm done with this. And I look in like the little pamphlet and one of the ones I've gotten and it says look for a one out of four variant for each keyring. And I'm like, great. So the quest is not over yet for the keyrings. I was able to grab the regular version of The Undertaker, but I am on the hunt for the variant version. And um, I got the variant rock. So I know how they look. They're like glossy type uh, figures as opposed to like how the regular ones look. So hopefully I will be able to find that variant Undertaker keyring and put this part of uh, merchandise behind me and saying great, done. So uh, that's the only thing I found in stores. But by way of Instagram through a page called 2800 Studio they do uh, these t-shirts, pins, stickers based on WWF pay-per-views and they had some of these awesome shirts available 
based on, you know, they created these shirts to look almost like an actual uh, pay-per-view uh, style shirt. So I picked up Unforgiven 2000 and Breakdown 1998. And not only that, I picked up some Attitude Era socks and he threw in some stickers based on the shirts and other shirts that were out of stock at the time. But um, just gives us uh, a glimpse into what he's creating here and it's just amazing. The Unforgiven shirt I wore on the uh, watch along with Randy Turco. It just looks like the pay-per-view poster has the American Badass Undertaker and on the back gives you the match list of the pay-per-view. And the breakdown one is just the same and it's stylized like a vintage WWF t-shirt. Um, and it just looks amazing. It's wonderful quality. The shirts are so soft. It's amazing. And you you have to follow him on Instagram. It's at 2800studio. He has a website, 2800studio.com. Give him a follow. Um, send him a message. Say that, ask him if he's got any of these shirts in stock. Uh, one of the ones I missed out on was Unforgiven 1998, uh, based on the Inferno match. Uh, he said he's hopefully he can get more of those in stock because it's in such high demand and so popular uh, that he's thinking of uh, creating more of those. They're amazing. It, the socks are awesome. The stickers are great quality, just like the t-shirts. He also does pins uh, based on TV shows and he has championship pins. So anything, basically anything you're looking for this guy makes it, this guy's got it, and the quality is amazing. I can't say enough good things about it, and I really I really was hoping I would get those shirts in time for the watch along with Randy Turco. They came just in time, and uh, he loved the shirt, and it's just great, it's just great stuff. Great products, great person to deal with. You definitely won't be disappointed. So again, give 2800 Studio a follow, Hit him up on his DMs, and hopefully you can pick up an Attitude Era uh, style shirt as well. Uh, I know there's another one that's very popular. It's based off the WWF Music Volume 4 uh, CD cover. It has that green WWF logo, that static logo, and it's got like the playlist uh, on the back. It's great stuff. I, I regret not picking that one up when I did. Uh, but um, give him a follow. You definitely will not be disappointed. But that is it. That's all that came in the mail this week. That's all I was able to find this week. Uh, we'll see what comes in the mail. or we'll see what I'm able to find next week. Hoping to find that variant keyring should be uh, Undertaker. Um, that's going to be a struggle because it's blind boxes. You're just pressing your luck with them. And uh, like, just like those domes from a few years back, I hated those things because you know you couldn't feel inside the package because they were all like the same inside that dome. So you just took a chance on that. But um, we'll see what transpires. Maybe something fun will come in the mail. I'll find something fun on eBay or something. You know, keep your fingers crossed for next week's uh, weekly purchases. But uh, let's go to Taker's Mark and finish up SummerSlam season on the pod.
Taker's Mark, of course, that's where I talk each and every week with my favorite Undertaker match and pair that with a favorite Undertaker figure depicting this match or an era of this Undertaker. Now for the past couple weeks we've been talking about my favorite underrated Undertaker SummerSlam match because I wanted to do something different for SummerSlam season. You know, we know the highway to hell. We know his match with Bret Hart. We know his Hell in the Cell with Edge. You know, we know all the classic SummerSlam battles Undertaker's had over the years. But some of those matches get overlooked by other matches on the card. Or, you know, gets looked past due to the era or the year of WWF's product. Now, of course, the first, the first match I talked about, third on the list, was Undertaker versus Test at SummerSlam 2002. Now, that one gets overlooked because it's just a stacked card from top to bottom. You had Shawn Michaels' return against Triple H. You had Brock Lesnar against The Rock. You had top to bottom stacked card. And Undertaker and Test is a great match. It's a fun, it's a fun brawl. It's a back and forth action. You know, there's no pauses. It's just constant uh, action in the match. But it just gets overlooked just because of the card. Uh, coming in at number two on the list, I chose Undertaker versus Kama in a casket match at SummerSlam 95, which of course gets overlooked because of the time frame. It's 1995, it's not Undertaker's best year, he's been feuding with the Million Dollar Corporation the entire year, uh, you know, it's not something, you know, a lot of people, a lot of fans look back on with uh, remembrance or, revering it, or being revered. You know, of course, there's a downtime for WWF as well. But that's a great match. Undertaker, I always love casket matches, those gimmick matches they have. Uh, and him and Kama work well together. You know, they're best friends in real life. And, you know, just, it's a grudge match. It's a brawl. It's back and forth action. Undertaker is able to finally get revenge on the Million Dollar uh, Corporation. You know, before the urn is stolen once again, uh, Undertaker has, you know, some solace in uh, putting a, a chapter behind him. And of course, coming in at number one is this week. And it's this week, uh, I chose it at number one for a variety of things. I, I talked about it with Randy Turco this week on the Watch Along. I, it's one of my favorite eras of The Undertaker. It's my Undertaker I grew up on. It's the Ministry Undertaker. It's Undertaker and Big Show versus Kane and X-Pac. SummerSlam 1999. Undertaker's second tag team title victory. And it's the last match on pay-per-view for The Undertaker as the Ministry of Darkness. Uh, you know, this Lord of Darkness, Ministry Era Undertaker, that's the Undertaker I began watching at. It's the my childhood Undertaker. It's what became, uh, it's what made me a fan. It's what, you know, started this collection, started the fandom and everything. I remember watching this match, you know, so many times uh, as I, you know, got DVDs and VHS and as you go more and more back into Undertaker's career and everything like that. Like I said, we ordered SummerSlam 
uh, and pay-per-view as a kid, but I don't remember actually watching it like I remember watching SummerSlam 2000. And it was very close between uh, this match and Undertaker and Kane at SummerSlam 2000 just because of the memories. But this one uh, uh, won out just, you know, because Undertaker wins a championship here. And, of course, it's my it's my childhood Undertaker. The Ministry of Darkness, this match reigns supreme, number one in underrated matches. And, of course, it's, it's underrated just because of the time frame. It's Undertaker and Big Show winning the tag team titles. You know, you would think, like, it's always talked about. You know, everybody knows this match. But, you know, it's overlooked by the Triple Threat Championship. And it's overlooked by, you know, other things going on in this time frame. You know, Undertaker is, you know, moving away from the ministry around this time. He's hurt. He's injured. He's only there for maybe less than a month before he has to go away for surgery. So you have all these other things working against this match at the uh, at SummerSlam 1999. So um, it's underrated in my view. Not enough people talk about it. And that's why it's number one on Undertaker's underrated SummerSlam matches. And honorable mention I would have to give to Undertaker versus Kane at SummerSlam 2000. Because, you know, that's looked upon just because of the the cheap finish being declared a draw. And again, a stacked SummerSlam card. Just, it gets, it's the second to last match on the card. But yet, it doesn't get talked about enough because of all the other things working against it. But uh, that's it. That wraps up SummerSlam season on the pod. I believe the next pay-per-view is Extreme Rules. So as we get closer and closer to the pay-per-view, we shall probably be talking about my favorite Extreme Undertaker matches. And I've said it before on the pod, number one is going to be the tag team match. Him and Roman Reigns against McIntyre and McMahon that set the bar for the pay-per-view by going at it number one. And nothing ever touched it on that pay-per-view. It's always a fun match to rewatch and go back on. So that's definitely going to be my favorite extreme Undertaker match. But, you know, as we get closer and closer and we start extreme season on the pod... We'll talk about the other matches Undertaker's had that's pushed the boundaries and put Undertaker outside of his comfort zone. So uh, that'll be fun to rewatch some of those matches and to uh, see where that takes us. But uh, Taker's Mark takes us to Buried Alive and uh, my favorite segment of the podcast where I just talk about a weird or odd piece of Undertaker merchandise. And say, what were they thinking before probably adding it to my collection? So let's get started with Buried Alive. Now I like this segment because I get to see and go through all these pieces of Undertaker merchandise online, you know, as I, you know, create my checklist, see what I'm missing, I like to see, you know, what's been made and everything. And sometimes you come upon, wow, I can't believe I'm missing that. This is great. 
And other times you come upon, wow, this is hot garbage, this is awful. And most of the time, the hot garbage, if it's not already in my collection, I know deep down it will have to be sooner or later. So even the hottest of garbage will probably be added to my collection because I'm an Undertaker collector. I collect only pieces of his merchandise and it's going to be the good, it's going to be the bad, and it's going to be the ugly. And Buried Alive is where we talk about the ugly. And this week we're talking about the Signature Jams series. The Signature Jams series was a gimmick series from Jax back in 2000-2001. With each figure it would include a boombox that plays a short clip of each superstar's entrance music. Now, there were three versions of The Undertaker released between this time frame. Um, and the best one is the third one. The third Undertaker Signature Jams comes with a It's My Yard, um, it's like a sweater he's wearing. And um, it has the It's My Yard in red on his chest. And it has the the you know the badass face scan and all the all the things you know about the Jacks badass Titantron Life Takers, you get it with this one. But what sets him apart, you know, he's got that sweater imprint on the figure, so I rank that as the best one. Because the other two, you know, you can't get worse. Uh, it is a plain Undertaker in a black vest and black jeans. Um, it's got the open vest with the bare-chested uh, Undertaker. You know, it's classic Jack's American Badass Undertaker. He's got that full bandana, not removable, which they hit it out of the park the first time with the House of Pain. Removable bandana. And every time ever since then with Jack's Badass Undertakers, they never once gave him a removable bandana again. And I don't understand why. Even when we get to the Ruthless Aggression era, every Badass Undertaker has a printed and painted on bandana. We never get a removable bandana again, other than the first one from House of Pain. And I don't understand why. And But um, you get the bandana, plain bandana, plain black vest, plain black jeans, no tattoos. And I don't know how many times I say this on the podcast while going through the Beard Alive. There should be no uh, reason for not giving Undertaker tattoos this late in the game. Um, it's cheap. It makes the figure look like it's missing something. Uh, you can't have Undertaker without his tattoos. And if, you know, they gave him tattoos in the Bone Crunchers Series 7... And if you're going to give it to him there, they should have every Undertaker figure afterwards have tattoos. But, you know, just like the House of Pain with the movable bandana, they just don't. It's cheap, and, you know, it's just that's so jacks. You know, as Zack Ryder says on the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, that's so jacks. And with so many of these Undertaker figures, it really is that's so jacks. I don't know, you know, what their thinking is, because... Other Undertaker figures with, you know, more accessories have tattoos and have removable uh, stuff with them. I don't know what their thinking was here, but uh, that's what adds them to Buried Alive. It's just, it looks cheap. It's a, it's something that should not happen. That 
tattoos should be on Undertaker figures, and Undertaker figures should have removable bandanas. If you don't want to give him a removable bandana, have him have like the Rebellion head scan where it comes, you know, without the bandana printed on the figure. But, um, that really, as Peter Griffin says, that really grinds my gears. I don't like Undertaker figures without tattoos, and I don't like Undertaker figures that come with bandanas printed and painted on the, on the figure. Because he doesn't usually wrestle with the bandana on. Uh, I can, just a handful of times I remember him wrestling with the bandana on, but usually during the match the bandana comes off. So I don't think there's a reason why that bandana should be permanent on figures. And, and there should be no excuse this late in the game for putting an Undertaker figure out without his full arm tattoos. It's okay to cheap out and not put the neck tattoos on, but when you're not, when you're not covering up the arms with some kind of trench coat and the bear, and in the package people can see the bear, there should be no excuse for it. So I'm sorry, Signature Jams, Undertaker, you have been dragged to hell and buried alive. And as always, that wraps up another episode of the Collecting Dead Man podcast. I want to thank all the creatures of the night for joining me here for another week. I hope you enjoy each and every episode I put out there. I hope you enjoy the special watch-along episodes and everything else that I'm able to give you guys for content. Uh, like my unboxings and my toy hunts on my YouTube channel. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast episodes each and every week. Uh, please subscribe. Leave us, leave us a five-star review where you can. We're on every preferred podcast platform from Apple to Google to Spotify and more. So um, find us, spread the word, leave a review, and keep on rolling, baby. Until next week, Creatures of the Night. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Collecting Dead Man. Please continue to subscribe and leave us a five-star review where you can. Follow me on Twitter at CollectUpDead and on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan. Check out my Linktree page so you can find the links to all my merchandise stores, where you can find wherever this podcast is available, and where you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hit the like button and subscribe there as well. Please continue to support this podcast in any way you can. And until next week, Creatures of the Night, keep on rolling.